My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. finally mustered up the courage to press play on this podcast series that I'm about to get into today and over the next um, few weeks. And this is something that I have been sitting on. I have been meditating on. I've been waiting on the Lord about um, for a while. And I'm not, I'm not talking like this to try and hype up (laughs) something or, or to try and, you know, uh, oversell something. Um, I don't think you can oversell the word. I don't think you can oversell the things of God. And as you'll see more and more in this series that I'm about to get into, this is not about me. This is not about Ben Pace. In fact, this could not be less <laughs> about Ben Pace. And the nature of, of the podcast that we're about to get into both now and in the future, is all about the glory of God. And it's all about God getting the glory. And, and I don't have any qualms about spoiling that for you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not concerned about, you know, spoiling this or spoiling that. You know, I, I think we live in a world where, you know, everybody's afraid of spoiler alerts. But, you know, the Bible is just not that way. <laughs> The Bible will tell you just in the beginning what's going to happen. They're like, oh, and Judas, who eventually will betray him? (laughs) You know, it's just, you know, because a lot of times, you know, people, um, they, they try to spark people's interest based on what they don't know. They, they, they try to get people's expectation, their curiosity, um, raised by what they don't know what they don't know is going to happen. But God, He gives us hope and expectation based on what we do know. Come on. Based on what we do know. And I'm not saying that there's no mystery or or anything hidden in His plan. Certainly there is. But God doesn't need to play on our suspense, if that makes sense. He doesn't need to play on our curiosity. Um, The things of God are in themselves uh, full of life. They're full of Him. They're full of glory. And we'll see that more and more as we go on. But this is part one of a series that I will be putting out this whole month of April entitled, For This Cause. And we're going to get into this uh, right now. And um, like I said, I've, I've been sitting on this for a while. I think the Lord first started to speak some of these things to me back in August of 2021. Um. I had just gotten in a car accident, um, which was not my fault, by the way, um, and I my car uh, almost couldn't even drive away from the scene. I had just been planning to go down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas to go to the Southwest Believers Convention hosted by Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and I felt impressed to do that. And um, that this happened, and it seemed like it was hindering things. And uh, but I was actually stranded at home for a, a couple of days because I, my car was in the shop. And while I was at home, um, the Lord began to minister some of these things to me, and I began to see some things. And even when it came to why I was going down to Texas and Southwest Believers Convention had to do with some of this that I'm going to get into today, and it was that. Me going down to Texas at that time was for the sake of something. It was, there was a a reason I was going, and there was a reason why I was experiencing a hindrance to going. Well, I'll get more into that in a minute, but let's start out with some scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and this is going to be the text for this series, and, and we'll refer back to this throughout the series. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. If you want to, out loud in your car at home, say that. We faint not. We don't faint. 
He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. Again, (laughs) I want to highlight that to you. Paul said, we are not preaching ourselves. What does that mean? means we're not preaching Paul, we're not preaching Barnabas, we're not preaching Peter, I'm not preaching Ben Pace to you, I'm not preaching Kenneth Copeland to you. I love Kenneth Copeland, but I'm not preaching him to you. I'm not preaching any minister to you, I'm not preaching. He said, we're not preaching ourselves as ministers. He said, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Now, this is going to be the cornerstone (laughs) of this whole podcast series, bringing it back to Jesus, bringing it back to Jesus. We are not preaching ourselves. I am not proclaiming my own agenda. I am called to preach Jesus. He said, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, man, this is like, (laughs) you know how in the Avengers, you know, in the first Captain America, they're handling the Tesseract, but they have no idea what it is or what it's capable of or where it came from. And they see it, they can tell it's powerful, but they don't really know. That's what this verse is right here for a lot of people. This, it's powerful. There's something to it, but... We don't understand the depths of it just yet. And and I, I don't think I'll even come close to exhausting the depths of it by the time this series is over. But man, there's something in this verse. There's some things we're going to get to before it's all done. Um, stay hooked. If you listen to the No Content Podcast, if you're a regular listener, stay hooked. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, hey, this is a great time to start listening. Not because of me, not because there's anything significant about the name No Content but because there is some glory here. And I say that with all humility, because I believe that the heart of this is to preach Jesus. And where Jesus is exalted, where Jesus is preached, there is a manifestation of the glory of God. He said, it's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to come back to that. But watch this part. This is what we're going to focus on in this particular podcast. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure? The glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Again, of God, not of man. It's not of us. It's not of me. It's of God. Watch what he says here. We are troubled on every side, (laughs) yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Other translations say we are pressed on every side. We are pressured on every side. It's like something's coming against us on every front. It feels like there's just this pressure contracting. You know, the Bible says, in the podcast before this, The Narrow Road, I talked about how the Bible says that the road to life is narrow and it's contracted by pressure. There is pressure that comes against Christians. There is pressure that comes against Christianity. There is pressure that comes against the church. And it's because of what's on the inside of them. The, the, the pressure that comes against them, the, the persecution, it comes because of this treasure that we have in earthen vessels. I'll say this just in the beginning. Satan is not afraid of your opinions. He's not even afraid of your values. Uh-oh, we're already in it. <laughs> now, don't misunderstand me. 
your values are important and they're good because of what they represent. But hear what I'm saying. It's not your values that Satan is afraid of. It's what they represent. He's afraid of the treasure that you have in earthen vessels. He's afraid of the treasure that's on the inside of you because if he can separate the values from the treasure that's on the inside of you, then those values really have no power. They're just good habits. They're just, you know, good humanitarianism. humanitarianism, Excuse me. But they're not glory. Satan's not afraid of good ethics. He's afraid of the glory. And there's pressure that comes on anybody who gets a revelation of what's on the inside of them and begins to seek the manifestation of that. And begins to seek it, not for their own sake, not to preach themselves, not to show how strong they are, but that the power may be of God and not of us. What is that? That is manifesting the glory for the purpose of giving God the glory. Keep reading with me. He says, We're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For which we live are always delivered unto we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many do what? Redound to the glory of God. Watch the next phrase. For this cause we faint not. The subtitle of this message is We Faint Not. The title of this entire series is For This Cause. What cause? He said, the cause that we faint not for is the glory of God, both the manifestation of it for the sake of giving God the glory. This is the cause for which we do not faint. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but he says, Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, verse 17, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The thing that causes people to faint has everything to do with what their cause is. If your cause in life is not for the glory of God and the manifestation of His glory, then that's a cause that will cause you to faint. Paul said we don't faint for this cause, for the sake of the glory. We don't faint. Why? Because when you do things for God's glory, the glory sustains it. The glory sustains you. Anything, though, that is not for the glory of God, anything that is for the glory of man, anything that is man's agenda or man's cause is a cause that is on its own. And the worthiness of a cause is evidenced in its lifespan. There are a lot of causes in the world. There are a lot of agendas in the world that have come and gone. There are things that people have died for, have given their life for even, and yet it wasn't this cause. Oh, well. Listen, there are people who are suicide bombers who give their life thinking that they're doing it for a cause that is worth dying for, and yet it's not. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about if you give your body to be burned, but you have not love, it profits you nothing. 
So uh, Paul said, this is a cause for which we faint not. If your cause is right, there's something that's going to sustain it and going to sustain you when you seek it, when you pursue it, when you give everything to it, it'll sustain you. Man, thank you, Lord. I am going to uh, make sure I'm going the right direction here and what I want to move on to next. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to do this throughout this podcast. I'm not going to rush through things. I'm not going to go somewhere just to fill up awkward silence. I want to make sure I'm going the right direction. I take this very seriously. And I want to just point a few things out to you. I have notes, but I'm not relying on my notes. Um, In Ephesians 1, you see this phrase used more than once, um, talking about finding the will of God and doing things for the Lord. Um, Over in, uh, let's see here, let's go down to verse 14. And Ephesians chapter 1, it says, talks about the, the Holy Spirit being our seal of promise, it says, which is our earnest, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Unto the praise of His glory. And, and, and then he talks down in, in, in about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints is. What is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. You see this phrase, the riches of His glory. What what are the riches of His glory? This is a picture of a storehouse, a storehouse of His glory, the richness, the, the abundance of His glory. Now, I know what you're probably thinking of is the verse in Philippians that says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches, where? In glory. Well, let's go ahead and just say this in the beginning. Where is the provision for your needs? It's in His glory. It's in the glory. But if you are experiencing lack, if you are experiencing shortage, if you don't have what you need, if you're not sustained, could it be that you're seeking a cause other than the glory? Because Provisions in the glory. He said he'll meet your needs according to his riches and glory. But what if you're living for another cause? Then is the glory going to sustain another cause? No, it's not. Now we'll get more and more into some of these things, and there's a lot to unpack here. We're, we're just 17 minutes in. But you see this phrase come up over and over again. In the, in the scriptures, the praise of his glory. You see it again uh, in Philippians. Uh, you see it in Ephesians. Um, this, this term, the praise of his glory. You see it in Colossians, I believe. And, and, and then over in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, watch this. He says this um, in verse uh, 13, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, you see this phrase again, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He goes on to talk about being rooted in the love of God and comprehending the love, because that's a big part of what we're going to get into. And down in verse 20, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What is the power? The glory. The riches of his glory. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. You see this concept of being strengthened, being sustained by the riches of his glory. But you see what's in connection over and over again with that is this phrase, for this cause. For this cause. You see it again in Colossians. It says, for this cause, and it talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see this over and over again that in the New Testament it says, for this cause, and it goes on to talk about what's on the inside of you. It talks about glory, 
and it talks about Jesus. Again, you see it in Colossians 1. He said, Him we preach, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This over and over again, you see the glory and connection to the person of Jesus. <laughs> this is the cause for which we faint not. This is the cause. And the glory has a sustaining nature to it. It has a way of sustaining, even, even in the face of lack, even in the face of shortage, the glory is sustaining. We see this back in Exodus with Moses. We see, we see that Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without food. How, how did he survive all that time without food? The glory. He was up on the mountain with the glory. The glory sustained him. But again, it has everything to do with this cause. It has everything to do with what your cause is. If you have another cause, if you have another agenda besides this, God can't sustain that. He's not obligated to sustain it. If it's not for his glory, his glory is not going to underwrite it. If it's not for his glory, his glory is not going to sustain it. In order for God to sustain something, in order for God to be the sponsor of something, it has to be for his glory, for the manifestation of his glory, and for him to receive the glory. Any other cause is, a, is an agenda of man. And it doesn't matter how good it sounds, it doesn't matter how many scriptures get quoted. If it's an agenda of man, if it's not for the glory of God, he cannot and will not sustain it. Do you see this already? We're only 20 minutes in. Praise God. And here's the thing. Satan has no weapon against the glory of God when it's in manifestation. He, he has absolutely no weapon against it. When the glory is in manifestation, Satan can't stop it. He can't hinder it. He can't fight it. But you know what Satan can do? He can distract the children of God, the people of God, from that cause, watch this, with other causes, with other agendas. He can distract the church with other agendas, other causes, because the only thing that's going to hinder the manifestation of the glory is people seeking other things. And Satan is crafty. <laughs> you know, you, you hear people say things like, well, Satan is stupid. Well, that's true in the sense of you have to be stupid to think you can go against God and win. I mean, that's the definition of stupid. Sure, I'll grant you that. But we got to be careful about thinking that Satan is not intelligent. Satan is very intelligent, and he's very crafty, and he's very subtle about how he gets people to be distracted with other causes, with other things. How, how subtle he is. Second uh, Corinthians 2.11 says, We are not ignorant of his devices. He's very subtle. He's very crafty. And he will introduce a cause to man and make it sound good. He'll make it so that it appeals to man, whether individually or collectively. But he will sow tares among good wheat of man's agenda and man seeking his own glory, man preaching himself, putting his own thing, inserting his own thing into it, why? Because that's what the enemy did. The enemy had his own agenda that was against God's and tried to push his own agenda and tried to take authority and tried to take the place of power to push his agenda. And that's the very nature of the devil, and he wants to reproduce that. Why? Because the glory of God means he doesn't get glory. And he has no weapon against the manifested presence and power of God. Now, now let's define that really quick. What is the glory? Well, the definition of glory is heavy with everything good. But, but even more so, if we get more into this as we go along, the glory is who God is. It's the essence of who he is. It's referred to later on as the face of God. Now, now that's just some deep stuff that we'll get into more and more. But it's his face, the glory. Moses asked God, he said, show me your glory. And God said, no man shall see my face and live. You can't see my face. But, but what, did, what did we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 
that he has given the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's who he is. It's his essence. It's his power. It's his face. And giving God the glory is how we get a manifestation of his glory. And let me tell you this. Jesus talked about people that seek their own thing and do their own thing and say their own words. And listen, if you seek your own glory, all you're going to get is a manifestation of yourself. <laughs> if you seek a glory, the glory of another man, a manifestation of that man is all you're going to get. Listen, if I got on this podcast and tried to get glory for Ben Pace, all you would get is a manifestation of Ben Pace. Well, guess what? A manifestation of Ben Pace isn't going to help you. It's not going to heal you. It's not going to provide for your needs. It's not going to do anything for your spirit. Why? Because it's flesh. It's just, I'm just a man. Oh, but I have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of Ben Pace. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, um, let's go to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. And we'll, we'll come back to Romans 8 uh, in, in a later time. Um, but let's just, uh, let's meander on over there and see a few things that are said about this subject. Um, about the glory. And uh, starting in about verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. Now, this is just a foreshadowing of another podcast in this series that we're going to do talking about some of these things. But he said, if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. That's the manifestation of the glory in us and on us. Now, this does not mean that God is giving us his glory. He doesn't share his glory, but he will manifest it in us when we give him the glory. We get to partake in it. We get to enjoy his glory when we seek his glory. And the more you seek his glory, the more of it you'll get. And it will sustain you. It'll sustain you in, in what you're doing. It'll sustain you in where you're going. It'll provide for you. It will strengthen you. It'll feed you. It'll heal you. Whatever it takes, but... Is it your cause? Is the glory your cause? Or, 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 or is there another cause? That, that sounds good. Oh, maybe there's some scriptures attached to it. Maybe there's a Jesus fish on it. But is it for God's glory? That's going to determine whether or not God can sustain it. He said that you'd be glorified together. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see this, we saw this in 2 Corinthians, that it's working and exceeding an eternal weight of glory, this light affliction. See, the glory of God, when it's in manifestation, can make the pressure, though maybe big in the natural, seem light. It can make the affliction seem light. The glory will make whatever's coming against you seem light. Why? Because of how heavy it is. Whatever seems heavy in this world, whatever seems intense in this world, compared to the glory, it's light and momentary. Why? Because the glory is weighty and it's eternal. And compared to this, everything else is light and momentary. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. The things that, that people freak out about and make such a big deal about and spend so much time being afraid of, compared to the glory, it's light. It's momentary. It has no weight. It has no significance. And that includes the causes and agendas of man. In compared to the eternal and exceeding weighty glory of God, the agendas of man are light and momentary. Now, this includes causes that seem good. This includes agendas that sound good, but at the heart and at the core, they're not for this cause. According to the Bible, they're light and momentary. They're fading away. They're fading away. They're not going to last. They're evidenced in their lifespan. And people can preach them. People can live for them. They can die for them. But if it's not this cause, it's light and it's momentary, and it's going to fade away. This includes the evil agendas that are in the world, 
the evil agendas of man to, to do evil, to do wrong, to invade the earth with evil. Well, let me give you an example. Adolf Hitler tried to take over the world. He had his own agenda to take and seize power over the world. And he did a lot of damage because the enemy was fueling that. But let me ask you, where is Adolf Hitler today? Where is Nazism today? There are some people here and there who are still trying to hold on to it. <laughs> but predominantly, number one, Adolf Hitler's dead and his movement is dead. Why? No lifespan. Because it was light and momentary, even though it persecuted people and did horrible, awful things. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not trying to take away from how awful the Holocaust was. But compared to the exceeding and eternal weight of glory, every awful, evil thing, every evil agenda, the, the things that men have done to other people, demonic and evil though they were, are not worthy to be compared with the glory. You understand that? I, this is a measuring stick. I'm not taking away from how awful those things were. But in comparison, this is a size comparison. You, you see those little, those little things where it's a size comparison. You've got the, the little airplane next to the ship or, 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 you know, the things like that. It's a size comparison. Or if they want to show you how big a building is, they'll show you the building next to a, a you know, 747 airplane to give you a size comparison. All it is, this is a size comparison. And Proverbs talks about how unjust weights and balances are an abomination to the Lord. Whenever you are making a big deal and magnifying other things beside Him, making a big deal about other things, and you're not magnifying the Lord and His glory, it's an unjust weight, it's an unjust scale. Because this thing, this exceeding and eternal weight of glory is bigger and more powerful and more eternal than anything, any cause of man. That is on the earth right now. Now, uh, let me go over to Psalm 35 for just a minute and, and give you an example of this. And there's more I could say about this, um, and maybe I will in the future. But this is what we're, we are called to live for. This should be every believer's cause. Watch this in Psalm uh, 35, verse 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, watch this, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, some people have taken that verse and used it to just say that God has pleasure in prosperity. That's half of a verse. God does have pleasure in the prosperity of those who are serving him, and favoring his righteous cause. <laughs> and what is the marker of those who are serving and favoring his righteous cause? Let the Lord be magnified. Not let a man be magnified. Not let a movement be magnified. Not let a country be magnified. Uh-oh. Let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. I'll go ahead and say this. There's a difference between magnifying a country, a nation, a movement in and of itself, and desiring to see the Lord magnified in the nation, in the country. There's a big difference. Some people have got them mixed up. They are magnifying the nation rather than magnifying the Lord in the nation. Believers, we should desire to see the Lord magnified in our nation. Whatever your nation is, whether it's America or whether it's another nation, you should desire to see God magnified in your nation. You should desire to see the glory of God manifested in your nation. You see what I'm saying here? We should desire to see God's will be done, but we want His will we want Him to be magnified, Him to be glorified. And those who favor that righteous cause, He has pleasure in their prosperity, and He meets all their needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Watch what uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. Now, let me say this on this note. You know, people talk about success and like having success and, oh, God wants us to be successful. 
Well, that's true in what you're called to do. But, you know, Joshua talks about meditating in the word day of night that you may have good success. Did you know that there is also a bad success? Did you know that Satan can offer you success in the world and it draw you away from God's righteous cause? Uh Uh-oh. God does delight in the prosperity of those who are serving him and serving his righteous cause. He does not delight in the prosperity of those who want nothing to do with him, who just ask amiss that they may consume it upon their lusts. Listen, there are many people who have what the world would consider success, and it has nothing to do with God or his plan for their life or his plan for the world. In fact, it's an enemy against God. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And you know, one of the first temptations, or one of the main temptations, I should say, that Satan tempted Jesus with was earthly success. You know, and people say, well, God will give you a vision of victory, but Satan will give you a vision of defeat. That's true. But you also have to understand this. Satan will also give you an illusion of success doing something other than what God has called you to do. And if you listen to God, God will say, hey, if you go down that road, you'll fail. (laughs) Why? Because he's trying to help you avoid the wrong road. So yes, God will give you a vision of victory doing what he's called you to do. But Satan can play both sides of that coin. He did it with Jesus. He's done it with many others. He can try to get people to have a vision, an illusion of success doing something other than what God has called them to do. But guess what? The glory is not sustaining it. And therefore, they have to be reliant on crutches and the world to get them through the day. That's why they're depressed. That's why they're suicidal. That's why they can't stand to live half the time. Because they have what the world would call success, but they have nothing on the inside of them. You see that? They have no treasure on the inside of them sustaining them. But see, when you have the the glory of God sustaining you, when you have this treasure in earthen vessels sustaining you, You may not always have things in the natural, but you're okay. Why? Because it's light and momentary. You see what I'm saying? It's light and momentary because you know, hey, God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be better than okay. He's going to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. And this doesn't bother me. This light and momentary affliction, this light thing trying to come against me, I'm not worried about it. Why? Because I've got an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I know what I'm living for. I know what I'm pressing for. I know where I'm going. (laughs) And I know what I'm seeking. I know who I'm serving. And therefore, I am sustained. I have all, like Paul said, and I abound. He said, I know the secret of having little and having much. Why? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm okay. I'm not worried about my bank account being low right now. Why? Because I know who my source is. I know who's sustaining me if I'm doing his righteous cause. That's the thing, though. Are you doing his righteous cause? Are you, are you about his business? Or are you about your own business? See, Jesus said, my meat, my satisfaction is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Are you, are you, Are you doing his business? Are you about your father's business? Or are you more concerned about the agendas of man? This has everything to do with God's ability to keep you and sustain you the way that he wants to. Now, if you're not in God's perfect will, he'll help you as much as he can. He'll help you along, but there's something on the inside. You see, there's something on the inside that's missing. There's a lack of satisfaction on the inside. Why? Because it's that treasure in earth and vessels that's trying to get out. It's like, I want to be manifested. I'm in here, but, but I can't support what you're doing. I can't support this cause. I can't support this thing. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm available, but I need you to line up. I need you to get aligned with my righteous cause so I can manifest my glory in your life and do what I want to do in your life. Oh, there's so much more. This is an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's so far beyond this flesh and blood cage. But you've got to align your will with his will. You've got to seek his righteous cause. For this cause, we faint not. Let me say this to you. We should live in such a way that, number one, promotes 
the glory of God, and number two, protects the glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's kind of like a woman who's expecting a child. She has to be careful about what she intakes, what she eats. She can't just do whatever she wants. She can't just drink or eat whatever she wants. She has to be aware of what's on the inside. We have to protect that glory. Amen? Now, let's see here. Uh, Let's go to Isaiah 40, verse 29. We're getting close here. Isaiah 40, verse 29. The Lord's helping me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 40. And we might visit another verse in Isaiah here while we're in the neighborhood. Just stop on by. Uh, Let's see here. In verse 29, what does it say? He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What did we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? The the inward man is renewed day by day. Why? Because the glory, (laughs) this treasure in earthen vessels, finally can do its job because there's a cause, there's an agenda, there's a plan and a will that it can get behind. And it doesn't have to take the back seat because people are wasting their time with other causes, other agendas. It wants to manifest. I say it advisedly. Jesus wants to manifest. Let me be more clear. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to manifest himself. But what did Jesus say? Those who love me and keep my commandments, I will manifest myself to him. Now, God is everywhere. He's with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you, but he does not manifest himself in everything, everywhere. He can't. There are some things that he has to hide himself because he can't be a part of man's agenda. He's not going to sanction man's agenda. I'll come back to this in a later podcast, but there was a time where Jesus was preaching and the crowd tried to make him king by force to do their will. And the Bible says that Jesus hid himself. Why? He can't get behind men's agenda. He, Jesus lived to do the will of the Father. Now, we'll revisit that some more, and we'll, we'll come back to that. But this is the cause that we live for. We wait upon the Lord, and we renew our strength. Now, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Psalm 27. We're getting close to being done here. Psalm 27. Uh, while we're in the neighborhood, actually, though, let's, let me just read Isaiah 60. Uh, actually, um, Isaiah 61 to you. We'll come back to that other verse later. Isaiah 60, excuse me. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. You see this? This the glory, the glory of God sustaining you, the glory of God manifesting on you. Down in verse six, it says, "They shall bring golden incense, and they shall f- they shall show forth the praises of the Lord." Verse seven, and I will glorify the house of my glory. He talks about bringing sons and daughters back to your borders, and he says, he says, because of the and the name of the Holy One of Israel, because He has glorified you. But in my favor have I had mercy on you. Before the gate shall be open continually. Down in verse 13, the glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree, the pine tree, the box together, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. You see this over and over again. He's talking about the glory. He's talking about the glory. Now, now, and we, we saw this in Romans 8. He talked about the manifestation of the sons of God. What is that? That's this treasure in earthen vessels manifesting itself. That's this treasure in earthen vessels bringing itself to light. That's this treasure in earthen vessels causing itself to be seen. And it's drawing people to Jesus. It's drawing people to God. But there are other things that sound good, but they're not drawing people to God. They're not light. They're not causing people to run unto Him. Because they're the agendas of man, and they can't do that. And God can't, can't sanction that. It's the glory of the Lord that draws people to Jesus. It's His light that draws people. 
to him. And he's talking about the manifestation of the sons of God. This, this glory rising upon you is not so people can be drawn to you. It's not so people can be drawn to your talent or your ability or what you can do for them. It's not about that. In fact, if people have their eyes on a man too much or a woman too much, that'll hinder the agenda of God because man can only do so much. People, people are supposed to be drawn to the church so we can give them <laughs> over to God so that we can direct them over to the one who can change them from the inside out. The glory of God, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Glory to God. Praise God. Oh, man, there's so much here. Um, remember what Isaiah just said about waiting upon the Lord. You see this again in Psalm 27. I'll just read it quickly. And then we have one more place we're going to get to, I believe, before this is over. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 27. Remember that the glory is heavy with everything good. And, uh, oh, man, we'll go back to that, won't we? Praise God. I just saw something else. Psalm 27, it says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, verse 4, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Down in verse uh, 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. What did he say? I would have fainted. He said, I would have fainted <laughs> unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness. Remember what the glory is? Heavy with everything good. If I had not believed to see it, I would have fainted. But if I wait on the Lord, he'll sustain me, he'll strengthen me. He'll strengthen me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Excuse my sniffle there. If I wait on the Lord, He'll strengthen me. Now, uh, I think what we're going to do here, like I said, I want to make sure I'm going the right direction. John 11. John 11. We'll go here. I have a couple more places to get to before. Like I said, there's four, at least four podcasts that I'm doing in this series. And so, um, we're going to get into some more stuff here. Well, let's go over to John 11. And this is appropriate. Easter's coming up uh, at the time of, of releasing this. And uh, this is a good verse for Easter. It's about the resurrection of the dead. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you know the story. Lazarus was sick. And um, I, I want to get into this for a minute. Uh, dealing with sickness. Um, there's some things in this passage about dealing with sickness and even serious sickness. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it says, verse 3, um, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not going to end in death, but for the glory of God, it's going to wind up giving glory to God. Now, what was Jesus' desire here? Was it just to see his friend not die? No. Is that a good desire? Yes. But Jesus had a revelation of what it takes to get a manifestation of the glory of God. It has to be for the glory of God. He said it's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Again, this is everything that Jesus did was for this, the glory of God. And it says, now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. And, you know, that's significant because, you know, when you love somebody, <laughs> that pulls on your soul when you think they're in danger or you believe they're in danger. But we're getting a revelation of how to respond to sickness, to the curse, to disease. Watch this. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick... He stayed two days still in the same place where he was. If you want a manifestation of glory in any situation, particularly with sickness and disease, you have got to be patient. You cannot get in a rush and get in a hurry and yield to fear. 
If you want a manifestation of the glory of God, you have got to wait upon the Lord. Like it said in Isaiah 40, like it said in Psalm 27, you've got to wait upon the Lord. If you want a manifestation, you've got to wait on the Lord. You can't just go off and start doing your own thing and just saying whatever comes to your mind. You have got to take time. You've got to get quiet. And you have got to wait upon the Lord because He will strengthen your heart and He will tell you what to say and what to do. And He'll show you how to manifest that treasure that's on the inside of you. But you've got to wait on Him. The first thing Jesus did was to wait on the Lord. And I won't read everything, but he said, I'm glad that this happened. He said to the disciples, to the intent that you may believe. And finally he went and came and uh, Martha came out to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Now, that's true. Why is it true? Because Jesus is seeking God's glory. Therefore, he gets access to the manifestation. And he said, your brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said he'll never die. Why? Because I'm the resurrection. You won't faint. You won't fade away. You won't become obsolete when he's the one sustaining you. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. It doesn't matter what the light and momentary affliction is. It doesn't matter what the deficit is, physical or financial. If you believe that he's sustaining you, that treasure is more exceeding and eternal. And it can bring you from from a deficit all the way to a surplus instantaneously when you're seeking the glory. And he said, she said, I believe, Lord, that you are the Christ. And uh, down in about verse 33, it says, Jesus, when he saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which were with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And it says, Jesus wept. And they said, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should have not died? But again, what's Jesus doing? He's waiting upon the Lord. He's withstanding the pressure of people's opinion because he wants a manifestation of the glory. And I'll just touch on this. If you want a manifestation of the glory, you're going to have to get free from the fear of man. Because people's opinion, Satan will stir people up to oppose the glory. And it says, Jesus groaned again in himself, coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And he said, take away the stone. Now, this is what he heard in his heart when he waited upon the Lord. And she said, Lord, there will be a bad smell if we do that. And Jesus said unto her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the what? The glory of God. And then without reading the rest of this, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth and he said, loose him and let him go. And, and, you know, the Bible says that from that time forth, the Pharisees conspired to kill him. Why? Because Satan now has no doubt in his mind that Jesus means business. And when Satan knows that your cause is aligned with God's, he knows that you're a threat to him. He knows that you mean business because Satan is afraid of the glory. But this is what I wanted to say to you about this passage. Jesus did something personally for Mary and Martha and their family. He, he healed this sickness. He brought Lazarus back from the dead for them personally. He did something for them personally because it gave glory to God. You see this? God was able to get involved in their personal life for the sake of his glory. For the sake of Him being glorified. Is there a reason why in some cases God may not be able to get involved? Because that's not the motivation. That's not the cause. 
It's not for his glory. Let me show you another example of this before I close. John chapter 2. We're in John 11. We'll go back to John chapter 2. We see another example of this. John chapter 2, the wedding of Cana. You've heard it. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. In other words, what has this to do with me or my father's business? See, Jesus is identifying something here. If it's not the father's business, if it's not for the glory of God, he's not going to just use his power for anything. He's not going to just use his power for anything. He had to wait on the Lord and find out the will of God in this. He's not going to just manifest the glory for the agendas of men. But, watch this. It says, and, and his mother said unto the servants, whatever he says unto you, do it. Why? Because we're doing his will, not ours. Whatever he says to you, do it. Notice that she did not say, if you do what he says, we're going to have wine. No. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. That means we're at your service. We are serving you. We're serving your cause. We're serving your agenda. We're, we're, we're giving up our agenda. We're giving up our thing. We're here to serve you, God. We're here to serve you, Jesus. And watch what happened as a result. There were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they did. And the water, it says, was turned into wine. And the host of the banquet said, Most people save the cheaper wine until everybody's already had some and drunk a lot, and you can't tell the difference. He said, But you have saved the best wine for now. You have saved the best for now. I have found that God often saves his best for last. That's a whole nother message. But watch what it says in verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Oh man, do you see what we're saying right here? God did something personally for them when they aligned their agenda right and they started serving him instead of their thing he got involved in their personal life why because he gave them a story that gave god glory oh come on why did he get involved with lazarus and mary and martha he gave them a story and a testimony that gave god glory see this is what satan doesn't want he doesn't want a testimony that's going to give god glory he doesn't want a story that's going to give god glory but Jesus provided beverages at a wedding for the sake of his glory. Do you see how God can get involved in your life? He can get involved in your finances. He can get involved in your health. He can even get involved in helping cater your wedding if you'll do it for his glory. Oh, come on. If you'll do it for his glory. But if you have your own agenda and you're doing your own thing, he can't get involved in that. In Ephesians 5, it talks about marriage. It talks about, for this cause shall man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Did you see that phrase? For this cause? And it goes on to talk about how marriage is a type of Christ in the church and, and about how God wants a glorious body. You see the same theme over and over again Listen, if you want God to get involved in your love life, make it about Him. Make it about His glory. If you have a desire, if you're single and you desire to get married, let me ask you a question. Why? What's, what's the main cause? Because see, if you make it for this cause, God can get involved in it, and He can give you a story that gives Him glory. But it's up to you to decide whether or not it's for your cause, for your agenda, or whether it's for His cause. You know, I have this picture in my mind of Indiana Jones. 
and how, you know, in, in the first Indiana Jones, you know, he's trying to get that little golden thing. And I know that's not a good thing, but, you know, just for this example, for this picture. And, you know, he takes that little golden thing and then he puts this bag of sand <laughs> to replace it. What happens? Everything starts falling apart. Everything starts falling apart. This exceeding and eternal weight of glory, when that is the thing that's at the center, when Jesus is at the center of your existence, when Jesus is at the center of everything that you do, everything is held together and sustained by that. But watch this. A lot of people are doing what Indiana Jones did, and they're removing the glory and they're replacing it with their agenda. Oh, they want all the same things. They, they quote some of the same scriptures. They even have some of the same values. But they've replaced the exceeding and eternal weight of glory, the treasure, with a bag of sand. And instead of building on the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, they're building their house on the sand. And guess what happens when the storm comes? It falls. And then they say, God, why, why, what happened? You built your house on the sand. That's what happened. You removed the exceeding and eternal weight of glory and you replaced it with your agenda and everything fell apart. Why? Because God can't sustain what doesn't give him glory. But he wants to. He wants to sustain you. He wants to do things in your life. He wants to manifest himself in amazing things in amazing ways. But listen, people say, well, we just always give God the credit. We give God the credit for everything. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want the credit for everything. There are some things God doesn't want his name within a 10-foot pole of because they're manly and earthly. The Bible says the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. There are some people who have made their movie and put God's name in the credits. And that's not right. No, he wants the glory and the credit for what he did. <laughs> there are some people who do all kinds of crazy things and say, well, God told me to do it. No, he didn't. It didn't. If it contradicts his nature and it contradicts his word, he didn't sanction that. And he doesn't want the credit for it. Listen, let me help you out. If something is bad, it's you. If something is good, it's God. <laughs> but he doesn't want the credit for something that he didn't do. Listen, I want things that are from the glory and for the glory. I want testimonies that came from a manifestation of the glory for the glory of God, for his sake. That's what I want. I love what Brother Kenneth Copeland says. If faith in God can't get it, I don't want it in my house. For this cause, for this cause, you know, impressing people is not a worthy cause. There are some people who want to have more money and more things for their namesake. There are some people who want to have more things and more ability for their namesake because it hurts their pride to not have it. But that's not a worthy cause. If you want God to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, it's got to be for his glory. It's got to be for his namesake, for his sake, and for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Glory to God. Let me read this last scripture to you, and I'll close for now. Romans 4, 20 through 21, it's talking about Abraham and the promise that he received from God to give him a son. Notice that this was the desire of Abraham's heart. And yet, watch this, he did not waver. Another translation says he did not faint at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, doing what? Giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Listen, God desires to get involved in your life. The Bible says if you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But listen, you cannot separate this from seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you want God to sustain you, he's got to be at the center. He's got to be at the center of everything you do. If you want him to manifest himself, he's got to be in the center. Any agenda of man, anything from man for man, is something that he can't sustain. He can't sanction that. And, and there are things that happen that are not good, and it's not his will, but it's because people have their own agendas and their own things. But if you make this cause your cause, 
to give him the glory, to manifest this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of you. God has promised he will sustain you. He will provide for you. He will heal you. He will do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. To him be the glory. Why? He wants to give you a story that gives him glory so that other people can see, other people will be drawn to him, and so that he can help them too. Because if you just do things for your glory, that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to do anything for anybody. But if you always point it back to him, if you say, Lord, I know I have this treasure in earth and vessels, but I'm doing it for your glory. I'm doing it for your cause because I want other people to see you. I want to direct other people to Jesus. I want them to know Christ in me, the hope of glory. This has been the No Content Podcast. This is part one of a series called For This Cause. I pray that this blessed you today. I will talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.